0: Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let's welcome CEO of Mindful Revolution, Rufilwe Nyoni, speaking about the emotional bank account. Thank you very much for joining us, beautiful Rufilwe. How are you doing?
1: I am doing well, Patricia. That song is perfect for (laughs) me today. (laughs) Not only am I telling my age, you know, in my time they used to say, When we hear songs that remind us of back in the days, But today's actually been an exciting day for me because for the first time in 18 years, I did a ballet class. So I'm feeling weak in the knees from uh, the song, but also weak in the knees from uh, the exercises that I've done this evening. (laughs) My
0: goodness, and ballet is not easy, right? It's not easy, especially if you haven't done it for years. Your body must be feeling all sorts of goodness.
1: My body is feeling weak in the knees like it's
0: <laughs> And for those who are bankrupt when it comes to the emotional bank account, are feeling weak at the knees. So let's talk about this emotional bank account.
1: You know, the emotional bank account, Patricia, it's it's a powerful metaphor that was created by Stephen Covey. And he's the gentleman that wrote the the book, The, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, we all know how our regular bank accounts work. We make deposits, we save up money, and when we need that money later, we are able to withdraw it. An emotional bank account is an account of trust instead of money, and it's an account based on how safe we feel with another person. And making deposits into our emotional bank account um, is something so important, right, because we need to know how we are feeling, right, and in order to understand and check on our deposits and withdrawals, we have to check on our emotional transactions. So an emotional bank account is an account built on trust. Uh, We are the accountants, and we must ensure that uh, we're not withdrawing more from our emotional bank account than what we are putting in. So it's important that uh, in order to identify emotional transactions, we have to become aware of our emotional transgressions. And uh, this is where... Uh, we start to see where are we gaining emotional energy, where are we losing emotional energy. So it really it's about uh, balancing our bank account and knowing that um, an emotional bank account is based on trust.
0: Based on trust, based on trust. And the trust needs to come from you, right, the individual, the accountant, as you're saying. So now, how can we start understanding ourselves as individuals, um, so that we can start trusting ourselves? Because a lot of people don't even know themselves. That's why we end up in a place where we, we our heads are always helter skelter. So how do we understand self?
1: You know, self awareness and self management are things that come from the wonderful thing that we call mindfulness. And you know, this is why mindfulness practice, mindfulness training. Is one of the most fundamental elements of emotional intelligence. And in times of our own distress, it can be difficult for us uh, to want to contribute to our own emotional bank account, and let alone to that of another. But um, in this time where many things seem to be falling apart, we don't just need resilient individuals. We're also in need of resilient relationships. And it can be hard sometimes uh, to remember the best about ourselves and also the best about the people that we're inclined to relate to, especially when we are struggling with our own levels of resilience. And no one is saying that we have to be perfect, so that's the first thing to note. The invitation is for us to turn towards one another rather than turning away from one another. And making deposits in our emotional bank accounts is a crucial first step to be able to uh, contribute to that of another person. So once we've been able to turn towards ourselves, we can give the same thing to another person without having to make a significant withdrawal. So in other words, it doesn't have to cost us too much. And uh, in order to recover resilience in our relationships, this requires that we choose intelligent emotions more often in our interactions with others. You know, it's not about being perfect. We're going to make mistakes in relationships. We're going to have a learning point. But if we can pause, if we can be mindful, if we can attend to our emotions, if we can name them, to tame them, um, as we say, it's, it's a really significant step towards um, uh, positively impacting the balance of our emotional bank account.
0: Now, now that you know self and you're able to become mindful, the other thing is we need to be committed just like a bank account, right? When I want to save money, I need to commit and be, and, and, and be wholeheartedly in this thing that I'm doing to save or invest money each and every month. How can we be committed to our emotional bank account?
1: I think firstly is to recognize that every single thing in life that we are going to get better at, that we're going to improve on, requires consistency. So consistency, consistency, consistency. And that really is where you can see um, that someone is committed to to a cause. Uh, Stephen Covey here identifies uh, six ways that we can make deposits and reduce the withdrawals in our emotional bank accounts. And uh, the, the first way is to... Understand the individual, right? So this means listening intently to what the other person is saying and empathizing with how they may be feeling, even if we don't necessarily understand it in our own context. So it's important for us to care for others and to act with kindness towards them. Secondly is what you are saying. It's about keeping our commitments How do we feel when someone uh, keeps their commitments to us? You know, when someone arrives on time, when someone does what they say they will do, it makes us feel good. And if we can do this as well, we can build up an emotional reserve, and we can do this by keeping our commitments. thirdly, is to clarify expectations, right? So we're not mind readers, and yet we consistently expect others to know what we expect of them communicating our expectations can help create a higher level of trust. So when we ask for what we want and we get it, and then we can trust a little bit more and that sense of commitment starts to grow. Fourth is attending to the little things, right? You know, there was this book, um, I think it was Richard Carlton, he says, Don't Switch the small stuff, but uh, it's important to sweat the small stuff as it relates to the emotional bank account. You know, we, we find that the little things tend to become the big things when they do not receive our attention. So doing the little things is how we honor and we show respect for others. So small kindnesses, uh, a little extra effort, you know, doing something that you didn't have to. These are great things that we can do to build a trust. And fifth is showing personal integrity, right? Now, Integrity is the moral flaw upon which trusting relationships are built. And when we operate with sound moral character, when we are principled, when people understand us, it makes, us, makes it easy for others to trust us. And then the final one, the sixth one, is apologizing when we make a withdrawal. We will all make mistakes. It's part of life. It's part of our journeys. But when we see that we have violated a trust, sincerely apologizing is how we make a deposit to account to, act to the damage that we have done. And as it relates to making apologies, I think it's an important thing um, that we have to note. I once read, I never ruin an apology with an excuse. So when we apologize, to apologize unconditionally and uh, make sure that, uh, that the other person feels our sense of our apology. Now, when the trust level is high, because we've made lots of deposits, Um, communication becomes almost effortless. You know, we can be ourselves, um, others understand and appreciate us, and then when we make mistakes or when we offend someone unexpectedly, we draw on that reserve and the relationship still maintains a solid level of trust. Conversely, when we are discourteous and when we disrespect others, our emotional bank account becomes overdrawn because we have jeopardized the level of trust. And when the trust level is low, we have to be very careful. We tend to have to be more measured, more politically correct. And, you know, our most precious relationships with our families, with our friends, with our colleagues, they require constant deposits because those relationships, they continue to grow and change. And with these changes come new expectations. So, you know, journaling, I always talk about it, Patricia, you know, Mm. I'm a big fan of it. Mm. So taking time to journal about your relationships, you know, write about your family, write about your friends and colleagues. And perhaps you can even rate each one in terms of the emotional bank account, right? So where do your investments stand It's an important exercise that we know where we stand in terms of the emotional bank accounts of the relationships that we are participating in so that we can
0: know where we need to invest more or maybe where we need to invest just a little bit less. So now, Rafidwe, what happens if we are investing so much into the emotional bank account and we are encountering family members, friends, partners who don't have the same knowledge and we feel as if they're depleting at what we are investing into. How do we deal with that?
1: Knowledge sharing is something very, very important. But I think, uh, especially when it comes to relationships with loved ones, particularly, I think our our fear of endings is concerning. It's not to say that you completely cut out someone out of your life, but you, know, you have to teach people how to treat us. So that is the knowledge that we can share with them by setting clear boundaries, by uh, educating them on how we are choosing to navigate our lives, our spaces, and all those things. These are all difficult conversations. You know, and difficult conversations, they need to happen in our, in our relationships. I think the important thing is to understand that wherever we find ourselves in our relationships are things that have been uh, created incrementally, right? So we have gotten to that space in, in installments and also like so, almost like retracting and starting to bring your emotional back account back in balance is also something that's going to happen in installments and happen incrementally. So patience is going to be very important. Clear communication is going to be very important. Setting uh, and navigating our boundaries is going to be very, very important and making sure that we choose the environment that we are going to inhabit in our lives relationships are stressful, life is stressful, and when we have to deal with both, it's very easy for us to feel like we're crumbling.
0: Let's take a quick break. A-teamers we will be back speaking Mindful Wednesdays, the emotional bank account with the CEO of Mindful Revolution, who's just uh, gone back to doing ballet after 18 years I'm proud of you girl 18 was joining on the conversation are you feeling depleted does it feel like month end to you or is it the middle of the month or is it payday 0614-104-107, or you can send an SMS to 41391 and no we're not talking about money it's not about the ka-ching-ching it's about your emotional bank account that's what we're talking about Absolutely. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Well, we're still in conversation with uh, our A-team guest, uh, CEO of Mindful Revolution, Rufile Nyoni. So, Rufile, you're saying we need to be educating each other when we get knowledge of self and we start, you know, depositing at our emotional bank accounts. What are the sort of things that we should be cognizant of that could deplete our emotional bank account as individuals? Mm.
1: I think, you know, as we talk about the emotional bank accounts, and I explained that it's uh, it's a bank account that is based on trust instead of money. And uh, just by definition, you know, trust is defined as the the firm belief in the reliability and truth or uh, the ability of someone to do something, right? So it's the mental state of expecting fairness uh, from those that we are trusting. And when we feel unfairly treated and there is a lack of trust, a uh, fear arises and we start to feel quite scared in our minds and our emotions and our bodies. And what happens when we are afraid is that uh, the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain, uh, that takes over. And our high capacity, such as creativity, uh, those start to become constrained. So. You know, fairness is something that is a primary need for for human beings. So the the brain responds strongly both to perceived fair and unfair situations. So in the first case, the brain responds positively uh, to uh, perceived fair situations. Uh, The reward centers start firing, and in the latter case, the brain responds adversely, with those parts of the brain responding to threats starting to come online. So the most important thing I would have to say is that it has to begin with self. Charity begins at home. Our self-care is the most crucial thing that we can and that we have to give to ourselves. We cannot give that which we do not have ourselves. So making sure that we have a good relationship with ourselves. Making sure that we can trust ourselves, making sure that we do not betray ourselves, making sure that we stand up for ourselves, we are there for ourselves, we do the things that nourish us and that we meet our own expectations, that's definitely going to be the first step. Secondly, it's asking for what we want in relationships. And I think this tends to be a tricky one because we sometimes think, you know, I might not get it and this person might leave my life, might walk away. It may change the relationship. But it's very important that we clarify our expectations and we ask for what we want in in our relationships. We might not get it, right? We might have to have a certain compromises, but we have to use our voices to speak up for ourselves in our lives. And thirdly, I would say is choosing your environment very, very carefully. In certain instances, we're not able to choose our environment, and we're not able to maybe choose the people that we have to interact with on a daily basis. I mean, I'd say that certainly for, for professionally, Um, But where we can, let us learn to choose the relationships that nourish us instead of the relationships that deplete us. And if you're investing in your own emotional bank account and uh, the other person is not investing in their own emotional bank account, then we have to make some tough decisions about, you know, maybe we hang out with them just a little bit less or maybe we have uh, just different expectations of what uh, the relationship uh, would be. There's a beautiful Chinese proverb that says, uh, when the winds of, uh, of change blow, some people build walls and other people build windmills, right? Uh, You know, we have an opportunity to build bridges in our relationships, but it's going to take a very honest approach. It's going to take patience. It's also going to take a little bit of flexibility on our side. But in order for us to nourish our emotional bank account, we have to ensure that we are getting the emotional support that we need um, in our own lives.
0: Now, talking about environments, I think uh, that's uh, one of the things that will hinder people, the sort of environment um, in, in your workplace especially, because you're compelled to go to work. You need that income, right? But at times, uh, you, you because you can't choose your colleagues, you can't choose your seniors, you end up in a, an environment that could possibly deplete you emotionally, emotionally, um, how can you guard ourselves? And I, I know you were saying earlier that be careful what relationships, you know, within those environments that you are in, be careful of the relationships that you foster. But in a work or a corporate scenario, it's not that easy.
1: Look, it's definitely not that easy in a corporate scenario. And it might not be uh, easy in the uh, personal scenario as well, especially as it relates to family and uh, and family members. And like I said earlier, you know, we have to realize that some of the situations where we find ourselves are things that have been created in installments that happened incrementally. We have to be courageous, Patricia. I mean, that really is uh, the only thing that we need to do is to be courageous and have those courageous conversations where you say to a person, listen, I understand but you're not able to treat me in this way. You don't have to like me, but I cannot allow you to disrespect me. Is it easy in a, in a professional setting? Certainly not. It probably changes the dynamic of many things. But, you know, I'm sure you know, we all realize that, you know, when we start to push back at people, people start to push towards us a little bit less, and they might even find other people that they're going to bother with the stuff that they
0: bothered us with. I hope so. <laughs> Let's go to a voice note.
2: Hi, good evening, Patricia, and your guest, Raffelwe. Um Emotional bank account. Um, you, you, you give your pin to your friends, you give your pin to your family members, your partner, significant other, but how, how do you still make them feel they are not necessarily over withdrawing from your emotional bank account? How do you make them feel that they are not? are basically invading your space. You, you 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 want to still make them feel they are still wanted, but you are limiting their daily withdrawal. So how do you still do that without making them feel bad about it? <laughs> I hope I I I hope I, I'm making myself clear. Yeah, this is Klaba from the Eastern Cape. Thank you.
0: Thank you Klaba for the question. Rufilwe. Please do. Respond. I absolutely love the
1: question. I love how he's, uh, the analogy that he's used that we mm. give the pin to our family members, our friends, our, you know, we just give the pin. But I think it's important that we, we realize that we can give them the pin, but we can also give them a the budget of how much they can be spending in this emotional bank account of ours, right? So, again, it's around that clear communication. So, Patricia, if I give you my emotional bank account, I give you my card, but I tell you that you are not allowed to spend more than 500 rand of my emotional bank account, I mean, I'm monetizing it, but I think it's about letting people know what you are able to budget and how much they are able to withdraw. So it's about setting those clear boundaries and communicating quite clearly, telling them, you've got my pen, but there's also the budget to how much I can accommodate.
0: Love that, love that. Rufilo, how do our A-teamers get in touch with you? Should they feel depleted and want to know um, how they can you know, start investing in their emotional bank account and becoming mindful?
1: Thank you so much, Patricia. Well, they can find us on LinkedIn. We are Mindful Revolution. We're on Instagram. We are on Facebook, on social media. Just search for Mindful Revolution you'll find us. And uh, my email address to reach me directly is rufilwe at mindfulrevolution.io.
0: Excellent. Rufilwe, thank you so very much. Always such a great pleasure. Thank you, Patricia. The pleasure is always mine. Eighteen team is 11 o'clock on the dot. Greg House is standing by to give us the final news bulletin for the day. Good evening, Greg.